whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so thrilled to have my friend and next guest, Diana Capp, who is the author of Girls Who Green the World, her second book on our podcast today. So she has a fascinating journey, and she's a journalist. She has covered everything from San Quentin prison to Afghanistan to teen suicide and depression and entrepreneurs who run the world. I was lucky enough to be asked to be in her first book, and Girls Who Run the World. And I was so thrilled to see that she decided to write a second book about amazing, amazing people who are running companies, who are making a difference in the world with Girls Who Green the World. So you may have read some of her work over the years in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, O Magazine. And a few years ago, as I mentioned, she wrote her first book, 
But her second book is so terrific. I just finished it last week, and it is comes at a critical, critical time when people are making huge decisions around climate change and every single one of these companies really having a voice and making a difference is critical. And I think Diana taking the time to share their stories is also just incredible and uh, really, really inspirational. Well, thank you, Kara. I'm happy to be back on with you and always fun to talk to you. I'm I'm really excited about this book because I do feel like we're just at such a critical moment where the conversation around climate has gotten so negative and there's so much sense of kind of climate gloom and doom and anxiety and young people particularly are really struggling and suffering. There was a a study, The Lancet did in 2021, they published it of 10,000 teens around the world, and 56% of them said they believe the statement, humanity is doomed. And what I think people are overlooking is that there's a lot of really powerful, creative work that is happening and inroads that are being made, and um, particularly women that are just on the front lines coming up with interesting, very innovative solutions. And we need to hold on to that because when the negative takes over, then I think everyone just gives up and kind of gives into the sense of like, it's inevitable. There's nothing to be done. We're on the road to ruin. It's not true. And that's, it's not like a black and white, like we either fix it now or we're ruined. It's like, we've got to start making the changes. And that's what these people are doing. And you know, the more changes we make, the more we slow things down and the more we have time to come up with even bigger innovations and we have to. No, I totally agree. And I think it's sometimes it's so much easier for people just to um, kind of go there, right? Because then yeah. they uh, they don't need to fill in the blanks. But I think what you're doing is filling in the blanks by talking about these companies that are doing really amazing things. But let's go back to the beginning because my podcast is really about the journey. And I, before we get mm-hmm. to any of your books, I really want to start at the beginning about you, Diana, and what did you think you were going to do when you grew up? God, I I was really not an ambitious young person. I in my second grade, we had a career fair at Chevy Chase Elementary School, and there there was like a hundred workshops you could sign up for, and I signed up for cake decorating and hairdressing. <laughs> and um, I do think that's how I've gotten so attached to this issue is because I was not a young person who had big aspirations for myself or really believed that you know, anything is possible. And I just had to dream it up and go make it happen. Um, I mean, I grew up in a pretty traditional family where my mom did work, but she was, you know, really focused on the family. And it was all about my dad's career as a lawyer. And, um, you know, he was the money side of the family and she was the kid side. And so just seeing that, I think I, you know, I got kind of caught up in some of that traditional thinking and, went off to the University of Michigan, you know, did not know what I wanted to study. I became an English major, which is like what my mother had done. 
Um, and just as a young person, I really, it, I didn't have like a developed passion where I was, you know, driving towards something in particular, or I knew I wanted to be a lawyer or I wanted to go to medical school. I, I just didn't have that. Um, and so when I graduated, I really like fumbled around in the most major way. And I had jobs that would like sound interesting. Like I was a legislative correspondent for the Senator from Michigan and I had an internship at CNN, but a lot of it was just very administrative, like down in the basement, cutting tape, um, and how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. 
Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. You know, never seeing the light of day or having my ideas taken seriously. And I had a real personal turning point when I just made this decision that I have to strike out on my own. And like, I moved across the country from Washington, D.C., where I grew up to California And it was just really this idea that, you know, I have to go out there all by myself and like find my way and find something that I care about and then start to pursue it. And um, I fell into an amazing job working in a startup biotech company, which um, because I'd done sort of communications and writing, they were about to go public and they needed someone to do communications and investor relations. And that just was so impactful to be in this place where like anything was possible. The place was growing like crazy. They gave you, you know, not too little responsibility. They gave you way too much. And, you know, for the first time, it was like I had people that really thought I was smart and believed in me. And that job just totally changed my life and trajectory. So journalism. So you you figured out that actually getting people stories, as I mentioned in the intro, you traveled around Afghanistan during some pretty crazy times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've been in San Quentin prison, like you've done a lot of different topics along the way. But what was it about journalism that you really loved and found, you know, most interesting that you wanted to get up and do every single day? Well, I, I mean, in all the jobs, like in the biotech company, Affimax, where I was head of investor relations, like it all was about storytelling. And so much is about storytelling, the way that we portray things and make people interested in them and 
move the ball forward. And it's all, it is all about rooting and story and making people care about things. And so, um, I had been doing that in kind of like a business context, but I, as the more I got into that, I just started feeling like I really want to tell stories that matter in the world to try to make change and focus on issues that I care about. And so that started with like the very first big story I ever did was about women freezing their eggs. Um, and you asked me to come up with a, like an instance where um, like I've had a adversity and had to overcome something and learn a lot about myself in the, in the meantime. And the beginning of my journalism career, there's a great story for you, which is um, I'd gone to business school at Stanford right out of, out of working in this biotech company. I'd been surrounded by all these graduates from the Stanford business school. And I was interested in entrepreneurship. And so I went there and I did that, but I, when I got out, I ended up going to work in advertising. And that was when I got this idea. I want to do storytelling for the sake of storytelling and for things I care about. But I didn't know anyone really who worked in the industry. I had a couple of contacts from the biotech company. And the one that worked in magazines, which was my particular interest, was the wife of a reporter who I had done some work with when I was at Affymax, like on the other side, and he would come down and do interviews with our CEO, and I would facilitate that. But so his wife worked at Health Magazine, and she was literally like the only person that I knew. And so I would send her these missives, like, you know, I'm interested in journalism, and I'm thinking about changing my career and starting at the bottom. And, you know, what do you think about this pitch about, you know, women freezing their eggs? And, it, and she, you know, sometimes it would take her like weeks to reply to me and my whole, like the way life is busy. And like, she probably had a million things in her inbox, but I was so vulnerable and I would just hold on to that as like, you know, the only way something's going to happen for me is if I can channel this particular woman and get to her. And I would take it very personally if I didn't hear back from her and, kind of just felt like I would live and die based on whether this person would help me. And my husband had this incredible idea. He said, what you need to do is change the dynamic with this person who you are kind of chasing after and you're feeling like, you know, beholden to her and, oh, please help me. And would you give me a little bit of your time? Instead, what if you wrote to her and you said, I'm trying to change careers. And would you be a coach to me? And I would pay you for your time to meet with me weekly. And it totally turned the tables on this relationship. So suddenly she was like invested in my success. It was just a small amount of money, but it, you know, made her feel valued. And then, you know, I mean, she went on to take my first big feature article at San Francisco magazine. She moved from health to San Francisco. Then she introduced me to editors at Elle and Oprah. Like she really launched my career. So it's a good lesson though, in sort of thinking about like, how can you change the dynamic from being in this position of like, please help me. You know, I'm so unworthy and like, give me a little bit of your time to like, I'm valuable and 
you know, I think a lot of women sell themselves short in that way. And it's just about sort of the lens that you have on a a situation and you can turn it around. Definitely. And I think it, you brought up another good point. It's about thinking about the other side of the table, like, you know, trying to really, it's not just about you, but it's around sort of trying to picture what that person is. Life uh, is like, right. Life is like, but also what is going to make it beneficial for them? For her. Right. You always have to think about like, what can I do to make this, you know, appealing to this person? Like they have their own career they're trying to build and yeah, in all situations. But also I think it's very easy to take like, you know, you don't get an email back and you just automatically expect the worst and think that, you know, it's something personal about you and they don't, you know, they don't think you're, you know, smart enough to do this or whatever. And it's probably just that they went away for the weekend and it got buried in their inbox. And I don't know. I just think we, we tend to ascribe way too much to things that maybe don't have a lot of meaning or, you know, you need to just try again. Let's get to your book, Girls Who Green the World. Uh, As I Mm -hmm. said, everyone needs to read this book. Definitely, you know, one of my favorites for this year. It shares the stories of so many incredible founders and people who are just really making a difference. There are some of these entrepreneurs that I know, and I've had them on the podcast, like Greg Renfrew, for example, but there's others like uh, Caitlin from Pulp Pantry, who I really would love to get to know because she has such an incredible, inspiring story. So tell me a little bit about what you found in interviewing these various female disruptors and what were you inspired by? I mean, similar to the first book, Girls Who Run the World, like I was really struck that most of these women did not know anything about the area that they go into um, and ultimately become kind of experts in and found companies or become activists in before they get started. And and also similarly and very similar to your story, it often starts with something super personal that happens, um, that is a problem in their own life that they're looking to solve. So like the pulp pantry girl, um, she was a student at USC, Caitlin Magenthal, and she was, um, she had been working in a, in a low income neighborhood in a gardening program. And she'd been meeting these young kids who literally had never seen like a fresh tomato or tasted one, like, you know, bursting inside their cheek And at that, so she had that in her brain when she went over to her good friend's house and she was doing juicing, which was really popular back, you know, in the nineties at USC. And she would see like this huge bunch of carrots go in and this like thimble of juice come out. And she was just like, wow, like all that fiber and like all that delicious, nutritious stuff is just getting thrown in the garbage can. And meanwhile, there's these kids over here that like live in food deserts and they never get any nutrition that comes from fresh fruits and vegetables. And so, you know, that was something that just felt so personal to her. And so she literally called up the next week, you know, 10 juiceries around the Los Angeles area and just said, hey, I'm going to pick up these bins from Target. If I come by in my car, can I take all your gunk? And I'm going to try to 
cook something out of it that's, you know, delicious. And she was thinking about the fact that like so many cereals and things that we all eat, they come from things like corn or carrots. Like it's already being used in a lot as the base in a lot of different foods that you might not even know it's in there. And um, so she she just did a bunch of experimenting in her own kitchen, kind of like you did. And then she was living with these 10 girls. It was like a big group house. And she would just see like, what would, what would everyone just, you know, what, when would the snacks all disappear? She'd made this like granola that was out of like, you know, drying up this pulp. Um, And then, you know, she made brownies out of it. And then she was making cookies with beets and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and then ultimately she, she fell on this idea to make chips Um, and she got taken into the target incubator and they know all about chips and they ended up bringing her, um, pulp chips into their stores. And that's how she got launched. And she recently was on shark tank and got funded. And, um, but she, she also like you, which I think is really important and interesting is like, she hires this little band of, of people a little sales force that goes out into the stores in each of her regions and like literally moves the bags into like a more prominent position on the shelf and like make sure that all the flavors are being displayed. Like it's still very like hands-on and unglamorous and being done by like a bunch of individuals she hires. It's There's no big mystery to this. Like you got to have the shelf visibility to sell. So you talk to a lot of different females in different industries, everything from food to fashion and that are disruptors and, and are creating change. What's the thread there that not only that they're doing good, but what are the challenges that they're up against? And of course, they probably feel maybe it's legislation, maybe it's fundraising. Do you feel like things are, I mean, to be an entrepreneur is really hard. But to be a social entrepreneur, especially when you're creating something, you know, like Caitlin was doing, like others have been doing that is just new, right? That no one's yeah. doing it. And what's the the need really doesn't appear to be there because there's no one else doing it. So what do you think was kind of the consistent thread amongst these people that just made them kind of get back up again? Well, I mean, one of the things that I think is really challenging for social entrepreneurs, and I think you face this at Hint, there is no perfect solution to making like, you know, an environmentally sound product that, you know, on every metric is, is, you know, green. It's, yes, you're like, in the case of your drinks, it was like, well, what about the plastic bottle? You know, well, what about... Um, you know, people are asking Caitlin, like, you know, but you're serving your pulp chips, like in bags that have foil on the inside and that's not biodegradable. Um, and I think something that's interesting is like, they have to really embrace these women have to embrace that. Like, we're not going to go from zero to a hundred into perfection right away. Like there's always going to be trade-offs. So you're going to make improvements in, um, getting rid of plastic or using waste in a certain way or slowing down fast fashion. And, but yet your packaging might still have to be, you know, have some 
non-recyclable elements because the machines that exist don't, you know, won't take those kind of packaging. Or even Caitlin learned that most municipalities at this time, like they won't recycle. Um, even compostable bags will not go into the systems of a lot of these um, urban recycling systems. And so she was like, instead, they're just going to get, um, those things are just going to gum up their systems and cause more problems. Anyway, I just think there's a lot to be said for you don't give up just because you can't achieve 100% green certified, sustainable, 100%, you know, top of the chart on every dimension. We have to make strides um, even when it's, you know, we're in process of making change. No, I think that that's, that's really critical. The other thing that I would say to that too is that so often, you know, people want to grab onto quick points around, you know, really the core of the product hint that I founded and, and ran for many, many years uh, was really about unsweetened flavored water. And we chose a certain package to put our product into. But when you look at the different packaging options out there, uh, like aluminum, for example, the majority of aluminum's made in China. And they have different regulations around how they make it. And um, they're able to create things in China that they can't create in the US. And whether or not that is actually monitored, whether or not people are actually looking at the environmental effect, um, the reality is, is that uh, the you know, environment is actually harmed, we believe, more by aluminum cans and sort of creation of aluminum cans and then you shipping it overseas than actually creating a bottle and as long as it can be recycled. And so I think yeah. that there's um, there are definitely trade-offs, but I think like the one thing that I would say to that too is that you have to be, you're not just about creating a product, you have to be educated. And you have to really understand a lot about why you're doing things, um, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm sure every one of these people that you talk about sort of get the, the naysayers or the people that believe that they know more. And so if you can't educate people about their, you know, opinions um, and educate the consumer, too, when they ask, I think it's an important piece that whether you're Energicity Corporation or, you know, Green Wave or any of the other ones that are out there. So, but there's so many stories in here and everybody has got to read this book for sure. And lots of different things to touch on. I learned so much about like how big a problem food waste is and like what's going on with how clothing has become a disposable and that, you know, we on average... Um, as Americans individually throw away 80 pounds of clothing every year, it's each crazy. of us. And um, we, on average, keep our clothes less than six months. And just what some of these habits, like I think a lot of what I'm trying to do with the book is um, have you think think about some of these issues and try to like move to a new, more mindful way of going through the world. Like you're not going to become perfect on every score, but you at least might think about like how much we consume and how much we throw away. And, you know, that's 
we're going to make the change is by recognizing those habits in ourselves. Um, and then starting to like demand that from the products that we buy and starting to, you know, hold people to account for, um, you know, are they really, um, greenwashing and just sort of, um, doing this for marketing purposes or are they actually trying to change their industry? Um, and so we have to educate people so they even know to ask and to notice one way or another. No, I think that that is so, so important. I feel like another thing that I really picked up on in this book was that maybe these people wouldn't necessarily view themselves as leaders. They're just doing, they're creating a company, they're entrepreneurs, but they're leading, right? Especially they're leading on issues. They're, they're having to be vulnerable, right? And I, I feel like you, even as a successful journalist, you, went out on a limb first to write a book about, you know, entrepreneurs and then talking about, uh, you know, green entrepreneurs as well and green initiatives. Like, what do you think is the threat around leaders? Because people have asked me, are leaders born? Are they, you know, what is it that you need to be able to do to become a leader and, and kind of stay a leader, I guess, is, is really the key thing. I mean, I think that you have to be like genuinely curious and interested to like solve a problem that's out there that exists. And you have to not be easily dissuaded from how damn hard it is to do any of these things. I mean, Greg is, Greg Renfrew is, you know, up against 80 years in which the FDA has not regulated a single beauty product in the United States. Like we just, we're not looking at what the ingredients are. We're not demanding that there's any change. And so she's making herself like responsible to actually try to not just launch beauty products, but she's actually like building this whole army of lobbyists who are, you know, going to Washington with her. Like this is her, her sales force that are educated about what's in products and educated about like what they're doing to our environment and our bodies. And she's, she's not just taking on the selling of, you know, cosmetics. She's taking on like changing the cosmetics industry, which I think is, you know, these people are really, you know, it's, it's, it's a type of ambition, I think, that really ties them together. That's not just about like, I want to make my own company successful. It's like much more importantly, they want to like actually move the needle on like changing how we do things and how industries operate. And I think that's just amazing. Well, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's energizing and it's inspiring. And clearly that's what I was feeling in your second book. You've got a gift to be able to share people's stories. I mean, obviously they have them. Uh, and I think it's, it's a criminal when people don't actually share their why, because I think it makes you love the products and the company that much more. I love this young girl in San Francisco who started this restaurant. It's a pizza restaurant called Trash Pies in the Mission. And it's, um, all of the produce that she's using there is like considered ugly produce. So it's like, it doesn't meet the cosmetic standards of grocery stores. And so instead, like it just gets trashed 
And right now we, in, in the world, not just in the U.S., we throw away 30% of all food that is produced. And meanwhile, you know, all these people are going hungry. So she's, she's really got this interesting concept that we, there's so much more we could be using. Um, that's, you know, just because it can't go into the whole foods doesn't mean like that that tomato isn't delicious or that that orange isn't worthy. And so she's bringing in all that produce and she's got a whole restaurant that's just ugly stuff. And so she uses the restaurant as like a form of activism, which I think is really, really cool. And you could say the same thing about him. It's like you've started a brand, which is like activist against all the sugar and added crap. And it's raising the issue. Every time you hear about him and drink one bottle, it's like you're, you're learning about an issue that's going on. You know, we're having all these hidden sugars all the time. Yeah. And it's, it really speaks to across categories that you can do good by creating great products or services, right? It used to be, you know, when, diet things were created ages ago. I remember in the 70s when my dad was uh, at a major food company, it was just everything tasted horrible if it was diet. that was, There was like a trade-off. Today, you can actually find products and companies, not just in the food and beverage industry, that are doing good, um, that, that have purpose, have a mission. So I loved hearing more about this. So thank you so much. Uh, where do people find out more about Diana Cap? But also everybody needs to get this book for sure. You can find Girls Who Green the World at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Target, Bookshop, like pretty much anywhere. But I would truly recommend that you go to your local indie bookstore and if they don't have it, ask them to order it because we really need to keep these bookstores from going under. And my website, dianacap.com, has a um, section called resources. And one of the things I'm most proud of is I have a, like a running list now of like over 200 things. If you click on this list, what teens can do, and it's really what anyone could do, but it's like hundreds of suggestions of ways that you can start to make change um, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your company, in your own life. Um, and just really moving towards like, we all need to get active and, and register people to vote and worry about the upcoming midterms because the climate issue is, um, a big one. And so we can do things personally, but we also really need to do things on the policy level. And that's about politicians and getting people into office that, really care about climate. It's a problem. Totally, totally agree. Well, thank you again. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Kara Golden Show so that you are sure not to miss out on incredible guests like Diana Cap and many others that we've had too. And definitely give this episode five stars. It definitely helps the algorithm. And find me on all social platforms at Kara Golden. And if you haven't read my book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, uh, please pick it up at bookstores, on Amazon, also on Audible. You can download it. And we're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We are now uh, trending top 1% of entrepreneurial podcasts in the world, which is absolutely crazy. Awesome. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's insane. And so thank you for supporting us and also for coming on, Diana, for sure. So thank you, everybody, for listening and goodbye for now. 
Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.